listening to Stairway Spirits, a production of Ghostly Talk. Stairway Spirits is a free podcast and research project examining supernatural activity on or around staircases. The stories are wide and vast, so join us, won't you? I have been lucky to have met some very interesting people being part of Ghostly Talk. One of those people we have met along the way was a man named Marcus Leder. Marcus Leder is an astronomer, Toltec shaman, author, inventor, and private researcher with the Monroe Institute specializing in high-tech transdimensional communication. I have personally learned a lot from Marcus over the years and was real excited to discuss the subject of stairway spirits with him. Marcus, it's been a while. Thank you for taking some time to come talk to me here on Stairway Spirits now. I really, really appreciate it. Well, yeah, it has been a while since we talked, but uh, always happy to help. Yeah, we and we go back a while. Um, you know, yeah, for people that, <laughs> long time. Yeah, people that uh, may not know Marcus, well, it, you're not a ghostly talk listener, in my opinion, if you don't know Marcus. So I'm even going to talk <laughs> about that because yeah, you're 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 a part of the you're a part of the the lore of this show, I think. Uh, in my personal opinion. Um, and that's why you were one of the first people I had on my list. And you were one of the first people I had on my list back in like 2007, 2008, when I originally started this project. And everybody kind of knows the story at this point of, of you know, what started Stairway Spirits and kind of how it got put on hold for um, 13 years. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah. Uh, and you were one of the people that I... I talked to you back then and to the point where I, I mean, I kept all the source material and I think I even sent it to you and said, well, here's our original discussion we had on the phone. Uh, uh-huh. And I said, well, I, l- l- why don't we just get back together again here for what, what I'm doing with this thing? And here we sit. So thanks again. I really do appreciate it, Marcus. Oh, it's my pleasure. So you got a couple of stories um, and I know you've got a couple of ideas and I'm sure we're going to, we're going to explore all this cool stuff. I know, but Let's start with the Goldfield Hotel. As far as you know, what happened there is that cool? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that um, back in that time, we're talking like 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Goldfield was a little bit different than it is uh, now, or when um, Ghost Adventures went out there. That's where they got their big start. Yep. Um, it's a uh, at the time when I was there. Fully furnished, uh, except it was closed down. And um, one of the reasons that I had gone out there is because I worked in a gun and antique store in Las Vegas. And some of the um, furniture, some of the things were being sold off uh, by the owner of the Goldfield. And so I would go there a um, couple times a year and uh, – Pick up a, like a complete bedroom set, brass bed, uh, oak rocking chair, oak uh, vanity, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Stuff stuff I wish I had now. But, <laughs> um, you know, every room was pretty much the same. And I would just uh, buy everything out and take it back to the store. And I was out there. I've actually been in there twice that um, as far as um, – doing any type of ghost investigation. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't doing that much at the time, but uh, I went out there. Uh, the first time I went out there, I had 
gone, you know, I was at night by myself and I was uh, poking around in there. I didn't really have any uh, ghost hunting equipment or anything. In those days, um, anything that was done was old school. It was uh, like Hans Holzer, you know, style with uh, real reel recorders or cassette tapes mm-hmm. and flashlights and a notebook. We didn't have all the fancy stuff that. Well, you just couldn't download an app to your smartphone. To, pardon me? No, we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) You had me there for a minute. No, it was the uh, the the internet was just a dream in somebody's uh, brain at that time. Oh yeah. Um, But I uh, I went out there the first time, and I had an encounter. In fact, it was um, the same exact spot where Zach Baggins and his crew, it's where they captured that brick flying through the air. Okay. And I won't go into that story. That's a whole different scenario. But mm-hmm. that's the first time I was there, and I did encounter uh, like a shadow type uh, being there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the next time I went out was about a year later, and I went there with the intent to actually, you know, do a little poking around and ghost hunting because there were rumors about uh, the place being haunted. And so I got got in there, but I took a friend of mine uh, with me, uh, Steve, and we went in, and I had a cassette recorder, and... Uh, you know, basically the same equipment, flashlight and uh, uh, just notes, mm-hmm. notepad to write things down. And we started, you know, going around, checking the place out. And we went into the main lobby area and there's a staircase coming down from upstairs. And we went in looking around and, and Steve is a big skeptic. Yeah, uh, you know, he didn't believe any of that stuff. He, he all the time we were there, he's sitting there, teasing me and laughing at me and going, "Ooh, all that, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff." <laughs> yeah. So, and I knew the place was active because I'd been there before, but uh, we weren't getting anything in that same place. But we went into the main lobby, and there's a staircase that comes down, and we were shining the flashlights around, and then I caught something out of the corner of my eye and I turned around and looked and halfway down the staircase there was it was kind of a bluish gray uh, hazy type image Mm -hmm. and it was like bobbing down the staircase like it's walking down it was the size of a human and then it stopped and you know I whispered to Steve I said look at that and he turned around and looked and the thing kind of, uh, it was kind of a fuzzy gr- bluish gray blob, almost like smoke. Mm-hmm. And then it started to solidify a little bit. And it was, I still couldn't see any colors or great detail, but it looked like uh, um, a man and he was dressed well. I kind of got the impression that it was like a business suit or possibly a gambling, you know, it was a gambler like a. Yeah. Uh, you see in, in you know turn of the century type thing mm. and uh you know he's he'd stopped and he'd looked over by us but he wasn't looking at us it was just somewhere you know in the general vicinity and i never locked eye contact or anything with him 
and he, he stopped and he turned and he looked. This took about five seconds. And then he turned around again and started walking down the stairs and took two more steps and just kind of vanished. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I looked over at, at Steve and he dropped his flashlight and his mouth was hanging open. Oh, my goodness. So he became a believer that night. But go ahead. It's, and I'd actually heard uh, since then uh, about a, uh, someone else seeing a similar image. So I, th- on I the think same it's staircase? a image on the same staircase. Wow. And that's, and, go ahead. Yeah, now you really, it's, it's, it's been emptied out. Yeah. Are you there? Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, most of it's been emptied out, but, um, yeah, it was on the, the same staircase and this person said the guy had a gun, you know, like strapped on, you know, like Old West you know, single action revolver type, mm-hmm. but that's not what I saw. I saw more of a business suit, you know, type thing. It was somebody that had money. Yeah. And, uh, and so this is like the, at least twice that someone has seen that and who knows how many other times it's hard to find people yeah, that and, were connected with it back in that day. Yeah. And I mean, let's assume for a second too, that this is the same uh, same entity that people that you've seen and maybe other people have seen. I think, of course, everybody's going to perceive it differently too. I think you're all that's yeah. how it always works. So yeah, you saw one thing, somebody else kind of just saw their own impression of that. Of course, so that's probably why there is that maybe that difference between the two, uh, as far yeah. as as far well, at least between the two of you guys, right? Yeah, yeah that that could be the. Um... The Goldfield Hotel itself, uh, most people don't know this, um, but it's the reason it's so active is the actual ground itself. It used to yeah. be a uh, hard mark or hard, bleh, excuse me, yeah. a hard rock mining operation, and you know before they built on top of it. And so there's a lot of uh, underneath. There's a lot of gold and quartz which, you know, you take gold and quartz and put it together and it, it produces, you know, a uh, uh, capacitor type uh, phenomenon where the energy can be stored and then discharged. Mm-hmm. And it's it was a large deposit and they, they got most of the profitable gold out of it. But there's... And... Under the influence of a magnetic field, like the Earth's magnetic field, it can create unusual energies. And I think that's one of the reasons why the gold field is, uh, is haunted like that or has activity. Uh, I first found out about the, um, you know, some of the history of it from somebody that actually worked in the mines at the time around 1904. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, he's long gone now, but um, he was involved with a guy that uh, was stealing gold from uh, uh, from the mines that were around there. They both worked in the same mine, and he, would, uh, he was a high grader. He would uh, take a lot of the high grade ore and stuff it in his pants and his cuffs and, you know, just – and yeah walk out and then uh, take the gold somewhere and deposit it or, you know, hide it 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he did this for like a year. And then uh, this guy that I knew, Jesse, the one that worked there, he uh, would follow him. And he could never quite find out where he goes. And one night they got in a fight because he caught him following. And, oh. uh, and he, you know, he defended himself. And he hit him with two by four and killed him. Oh, my goodness. And uh, this, you know, there's nothing on record about this. This is what this old timer was telling me. Yeah. And uh, he didn't know what to do. He didn't want to get in trouble. So he took the body and he threw it down a mine shaft. And that place where all that happened, um, the Goldfield Hotel used to be called the Nevada Club. And it burned down. And while they were rebuilding it is when all this took place. And... Uh, you know, he threw him down the shaft. The shaft is located just about where Sack Baggins saw that brick, you know, flying. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when they fin- they went ahead and con- finished construction, and they just built right over that. And that's a story I heard about the gold field. Wow. But yeah. um, the, the staircase itself, you know, that's one of the reasons – and we'll get into this a little bit later, but mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I think a lot of manifestations take place in areas like that is because of the energy underneath it, for one thing, uh, from the quartz and gold. But certain structures can, uh, when it's when they're placed at certain angles, like staircases, pyramids, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, there are energies involved that are not your normal energies that, that science, you know, it works with, like magnetism, electricity. There's other types of energies that uh, are um, concentrated, and that's what pyramids do. Okay. But uh, staircases like that are, if they're built at the right angle, they react with the Earth's magnetic field, and it creates a situation which, like I say, we'll go into that a little bit later, but mm-hmm. creates a situation that uh, can cause either a manifestation to occur or something to actually uh, record in the in the fabric around the staircase and the whole area. It can actually encode it, just like we do digital tapes or, you know, ICs or things yeah. like that. It, it can encode information, and then under the right conditions, it can play back. You also had a personal encounter, and this is according to you, while on an investigation uh, of, a, of a very active house. Um, and during the investigation, you were descending a staircase, and with about you said with about 10 stairs to go, you were violently struck across your upper back and it, was, it knocked you to the bottom of the stairs. So more or less knocked you down the stairs. Um, yeah. And uh, you only, thankfully you only sp- uh, suffered a sprained wrist and a few, uh, a few <laughs> bruises. Um, yeah, it could have been bad. Yeah. It, well, yeah. Um, but, but tell me about this one, please. That, that, um, was when I was uh, at shortly after I I met uh, you know my teacher uh, Carlos Castaneda mm-hmm. uh, at, at UCLA and I lived <clears throat> down that area I lived on the cliffs over Pal- in Palos Verdes that overlooked Marine Land and Catalina Island and one of my uh, neighbors 
I was in an apartment complex, and one of my uh, uh, neighbors was talking about this friend of theirs, and they were having all kinds of uh, phenomenon happening. It's you know the house was active, and uh, uh, supposedly when the house when her friend bought the house. Uh, she didn't know about all this, but the house was being remodeled a little bit. It was it wasn't that old at the time. This was in the mid seventies, and the house was built about nineteen sixty. And they were a construction worker was uh, cleaning up and replacing some drywall and things like that. And he was carrying it out, and in the garage. There was this little Indian boy about 10 years old, and he kind of – he's barefoot and mm. kind of dressed kind of ragged. And uh, he was carrying it out, and he asked him what he's doing in there, and he just disappeared right before his eyes. Oh. And, uh, you know, there were other rumors, uh, rumors that that area had uh, supposedly an Indian burial ground at one time, and – so, you know, she found out about all this after she moved in, of course. And uh, after she moved in, uh, there was a lot of uh, psychokinetic activity, you know, poltergeist-type thing going on where things would fly across the room and she'd see lights and voices and things. And so I was talking to my neighbor and uh, I, you know, said I'd like to check it out see if I could find out what's going on there. And so she set it up, and this house was in uh, Redondo Beach. And uh, I went to the house, and it was it was at night. The lady was uh, home that lived there, her friend, but she didn't really, you know, partake in the investigation. She just wanted to try to find out what's going on. So mm. I. Uh, Went around the house the same way. You know, this was still in the 70s, so we're doing it old school. Yep. And uh, I got my cassette recorder and, and walking around the house. And I did hear a lot of strange noises that I could never find out where they came from. And, uh, you know, I had the lights off in the house. And uh, uh, like a greenish glow would come out of uh, one room just a faint glow and I'd go in there and look around nothing there so I was I was upstairs at the time I started coming downstairs and I was probably about halfway down and I was holding on to my cassette recorder and I had I had a plug-in microphone and so I had it uh, kind of holding out in front of me mm -hmm. and I heard a noise and I stopped on the stair and you know, it didn't pick up on anything. It was stopped for about five seconds. And then all of a sudden, it felt like somebody took a baseball bat and hit me right across my shoulder blades. Oh, I had a bruise on my back from it. And that, of course, knocked me down the stairs. Yeah. And uh, I rolled over a couple times, broke my little tape recorder, and, uh, you know, just sprained my wrist. So it could have been worse. Yeah, I had okay. a few bumps and bruises. It could have been real bad. Um, yeah, and and you actually had a bruise from this. You said, "Oh yeah, cross like just like somebody took a bat and hit me right across the back." Oh my goodness! Because it almost knocked the wind out of me. You know, just a blow. 
and if, if, I mean, it what, I mean, I guess happened on a staircase. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, after that happened, I mean, so you you come to or whatever, you're at the bottom of the staircase now. I mean, yeah. I guess my question, and just in in the moment of that thing, right? I mean, what were you thinking? I guess that's the only question I can ask. <laughs> like, what, like what was going through? I mean, if you remember that, I mean, what was going through your mind? Yeah. Yeah, and and I never lost consciousness, but uh, yeah. it's it was like um, you know, kind of being in shock. It's you know, it's I was more there's more adrenaline than there was uh, fear. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, from the fall, I had to first make sure everything was okay and still working, except my tape recorder. <laughs> and, no. uh, and you know, so then I. I stood up and I was looking around, and uh, I I know something had happened. Uh, the magnitude of it really didn't set in right at that time because mm-hmm. there was only myself and the lady, and I'm sure the lady didn't attack me, and there was nobody, you know, upstairs anyway but me. Yeah, and uh, and so that kind of ended the investigation. Uh, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't really want to push it anymore at that time. Like like I say, that's I'd done a few investigations, but not a whole lot. And that that was long before I uh, actually started training in in shamanism. Mm. So I really didn't have any tools to defend myself with. But uh, you know, I picked up uh, everything, and uh, mm-hmm. I talked with the lady for a bit and told her I'd be back and and uh, then when I tried to go back there about a week later uh, she just didn't want she was afraid that it was going to aggravate you know because no one had ever been attacked in there it all been just you know distractions and things like that there was no real damage or attacks and so she didn't want me to come back so I never did hear if anything else happened or, or what but the Pyramid of the Sun. Uh, yes. We have this on our list here, too. And I, as opposed to me paraphrasing this, I would like you just, let's just dive right into this one because this is interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, this one wasn't uh, what I did to do. When I, this, this took place at uh, Teotihuacan at, um, you know, that's a great Toltec city mm-hmm. that was abandoned and uh, there was like 100,000 people lived there at one time. And the, the area is set up with a series of uh, buildings and pyramids made of uh, stone. And the biggest is the Pyramid of the Sun. And if you, if you look it up online, you'll, you'll see pictures of it. And it's massive. Uh, it's got stairs going up the front of it. And then they go up about uh, halfway, and then they level out, and then another set of stairs goes all the way up to the top. And the reason I was there, um, I was this during the time when I was apprenticed to uh, Dr. Carlos Castaneda, and he would occasionally t- and never really tell me where we're going. But uh, this particular time, we headed for Mexico. And we went to a couple different places down there. And the last one we went to was uh, the Pyramid of the Sun at Teotihuacan. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And this this thing is massive. I'm I looking mean, at pictures we, of it right now, and not I don't mean to cut you off, Marcus, but yeah, no problem. I when you think of and I know I've seen pictures of the, of the, of this before too. I mean, that's why that's maybe that's where it's stuck at in my brain. But uh-huh. when you think of like, I mean, of course you always think of the great pyramid, of course, but when you yeah. think of, of, of this type of pyramid and the, the toll, well, I'm sorry. The, well, the pyramid of the sun, like more in Mexico and stuff like that. Cause obviously yeah. me- Mexican pyramids kind of have their own look as opposed to, you know, the Egyptian pyramids. They, yeah. They're a little different. They're a little different and they, that's what makes them unique. But like when you think of like the Maya, like if you say the term, like when I hear the word Mayan, <laughs> right, uh-huh. yeah. what comes in my mind is a picture of something like this. Of, of the pyramid of the sun yeah. right yeah um, it just looks like that i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but uh oh no that no problem but, but god the thing it, it is massive it's huge it's it's, it's, it's bigger when you get there and look okay. at it uh, it's um and it's there's other pyramids there too and then but mm-hmm. the uh the pyramid of sun and teotihuacan is is a toltec city it's a little different than the mayans but uh, there are, you know, all throughout Mexico, there are different pyramids from those cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Toltec is a mysterious one because they had no written language. And um, so it's, but we don't, won't get into that part. It's, uh, <laughs> I was down there and we were at the, we were there at night. We were not supposed to be there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a tourist attraction, but you, you go there during the daylight hours, not at night. And the, uh, you know, so I, I was a little apprehensive because I knew we weren't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And Carlos uh, took me there. The reason, you know, that's where the, the Toltec shamanic lineage that I'm part of, that's where it began, was in that city, when that city fell. And um, so we got... In, to the base of the pyramid and I asked him what we're doing because I, I still didn't know what we're doing. And uh, he says, I'm going to, you know, this is a lesson in power. And uh, I said, okay. And uh, the sun was uh, just, it, it was probably about oh, 10, 15 minutes from sunrise. And he says, it's important we get to the top of the pyramid and there, be, you know, before the sun breaks the horizon. And, you know, it was part of the lesson I had to learn, but I had to be on that pyramid at sunrise. And, you know, I looked at the steps and I said, you know, oh, hell no. <laughs> you know, there's no way I can make that in that short of time. And then he says, yeah, we're going to run. Okay. And, uh, and so we started jogging up the steps and I didn't even get to the first, you know, break where it levels off before I thought I was going to die. And, uh, you know, he's just looking, he's going right along next to me, uh, just laughing. And uh, so I get up there and I, you know, took a break. He says, no, we got to go. So we kept going up the stairs and went to the second set of stairs. And I got probably about 40 feet from the top. And I happened, I was looking down at my feet and I happened to look up and there's somebody standing there. And he had some kind of weird robes on or something. And, you know, the first thing that went to my mind is we've been busted. You know, we're not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. It's probably a park ranger or something. 
And so I stopped and I was looking at him. And as I was looking at him, you know, I could see even from that distance that he he kind of smiled a little bit and looks like he nodded his head and then he disappeared. And so I thought I was hallucinating for sure and I was about to pass out. But um, we went ahead and continued up the steps and I asked him, what was that? Who was that? And he said that was one of the uh, the Toltec priest, one of the elders that was welcoming us to the pyramid. And, you know, these type of things happened more often than not with when I was with Carlos. And, you know, just to make it clear, we weren't using any psychotropics or any, yeah. anything to induce that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he was very clear. I thought he was a real person. And, you know, I asked him, you know, why, why he appeared there. And he said that was the strongest point of the staircase, you know, near the, the top of the pyramid. That was the, uh, the peak energy from the pyramid itself would manifest, you know, at, uh, near the top like that. And that's why he appeared there. But uh, we went ahead and continued up and And you made it it to the top? I made it to the top, yeah. (laughs) Yep. So uh, can I make a comment? Sure. About this? Um, Because I'm listening to this and I'm just, you know, we're obviously, as we both know, we're we're analyzing and looking at stairway phenomena like this. And Mm -hmm. you're telling me this story about the Pyramid of the Sun. And you tell me what you saw. And you tell me that you saw it towards the top of the pyramid. Or what you just what you said a second ago was it's an area where there's a, a greater concentration of power. Did I, did I quote you correctly on that? That's right. Okay, cool. All right. So what I'm thinking, and I want to make this very clear right now to you and the people listening to this. Um, there's a definite imbalance of uh, of knowledge when it comes to this in favor of Marcus. <laughs> so I'm going to be doing my thing, and I'm looking forward to hearing what Marcus has to say about this too. Uh, but what I'm thinking about here is so, and, and and just humor me on this. So you're told to run up steps as fast as you can because you're more or less on a clock. To beat yeah. the sun, to beat the sunrise, which in and of itself right there, that's poetic as hell. <laughs> I think that's so cool. <laughs> Not because it's cute and funny. I mean, I think it's just, it, it's, it's powerful. Like here's yeah. the challenge, man. You got to beat the sun and you got to run up yeah. this pyramid. To me, that's, that, that's a, that's a thing of power right there. It's, it's, it's a sure lesson to learn. That. It's, it's a lesson to learn right there. I mean, there's so many things you can, you can, you can pull from that, I think. Um, but you're also just on a simple physical thing right yeah you're exerting and believe me we were i was talking about my dumb crossfit stuff before (laughs) before we started recording here Uh Um, and i think we're both no strangers to heavy exertion on our bodies right yeah um -hmm. so i mean to keep it simple now you're running upstairs full speed and we just i we just looked at i just was looking at pictures of the pyramid of the sun and the you're right the thing's gigantic um, so here you are working your butt off, running as fast as you can up, a, up a pyramid to beat the sun. And this is one of the ideas I have 
about about this phenomena, stairway phenomena, is that, and I've it's something that we'll probably keep touching on a lot, you know, because it's an idea I think is interesting. Is you know, stairways are places of transition, for one, yeah. and two, they're places of stress to a certain degree. Whether you're going down or whether you're coming up, there's a certain degree of stress on the body that you have to exert energy, right? And I do think. Yeah. That there's a certain amount of psychic energy you may you may expel too, right? That's true. Yeah. So what I'm thinking here is maybe what you guys were doing, Marcus, was charging that pyramid to a certain degree, right? Like like you were the batteries for a short oh, time. Yeah. yeah. You, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you guys could are be. you guys are hand, and again, yeah. I mean, this is nothing we're saying here is 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 written in blood. We both know that. Um, but yeah, man, like. Maybe that's what uh, you know. You were being. Maybe that's what the lesson was. Was uh, or maybe that's what he didn't tell you. Uh, Carlos didn't, or Doctor Castaneda, I should say, um, didn't say to you about that. Maybe I mean, and I don't know, but maybe he knew that. Maybe we don't know that. But I, my idea is just that. Maybe you guys were by exerting that insane amount of energy. Sounds like you probably more than him. <laughs> um, but insane, no, nonetheless, um, you charge that pyramid like a battery, and yeah. for that, that's where that manifestation could have happened. Maybe that's why that manifestation happened, right? Yeah, and that's that makes a lot of sense because when you figure, you know, I I probably weighed. Uh, you know, 190 pounds, 185, 190 at that time. Mm -hmm. And the amount of energy it would take to move almost 200 pounds, hundreds of feet into the air uh, is a great deal of energy. And those steps aren't little. They're not like normal steps. You have to kind of take a large yeah, step. Yeah, they're not just your standard one foot step. I mean, it's, they're probably yeah. bigger. Yeah. But the amount of energy it would take just to move, physically move my body up there is enormous. And uh, and because of the properties of a pyramid, um, that energy could have easily gone in into the pyramid itself. So that does make sense. I, I mean, that's as far as I can go with that. <laughs> I yeah. have no clue yeah, outside with, of that Without idea. further experiments and things. Yeah, I, I yeah, can't. But it's a good theory. It, it, and it's, it's, yeah, theory is being kind, I think, to it. But, but I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, that's what I was thinking of the whole time. Like, this is how you charge it, man. This is how we charge the pyramid and we make, we make stuff happen by uh -huh. people exerting energy. And the proof in that I t also does go back to physical exertion. Um. And yeah, I mean, I we're chatting about working out a little bit before, like I said, before we started recording here. And that's one of the things I always feel. I know, and I think everybody else does. I mean, whether you're an Olympic runner or you're just somebody like me who does it, you know, does stuff for for a hobby, more or less. I think it's yeah. the same, the same charge you get. And I, no pun intended, I guess. But um, when you're done doing something really physically exerting to your body you do have what they call the runner's high endorphins release in your body yeah. and you get that mm -hmm. sense of euphoria. Right. Um, yeah. and that's why you get people that get that literally get addicted to working out because they, they're, they're chasing that high. Uh, and that to me like that right there is an emotional experience. 
it's a highly emotional experience. It's almost yeah. spiritual to a certain degree. Um, to, because when it comes, and this all ties in with the experience you had, I think, because um, what may be attainable for you and Dr. Castaneda, right? Um, yeah. May be very difficult for someone else. Maybe someone who weighs like 300 pounds and they're, they're, yeah. they're out of shape but they, they want to attain the same goal, so they're going to push themselves as hard as they can, where it may be a lot harder and they may not move as fast, but they're going to push it as hard as they can. And as a result of that, they may, while they're not, you know, while they, the actual physical output may not look as fast or look as, as um, uh, efficient as you, um, they may be exuding 10 times the amount of emotional yeah. and spiritual energy, whatever you want to call it, um, to attain that goal. Right. Yeah, it would. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of flying off into the weeds here. No, but, no, that's how we discover things. Yeah. But I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's, um, you know, that you're exactly right. The, uh, visually it may not be, as impressive seeing a 300 pound person as uh, opposed to somebody in shape, which I was not in shape. That's why I thought I was going to die. <laughs> but um, it's it's still energy, and it's uh, it's going to be a greater amount of energy. And um, you know there are emotions involved. You know, like you said, there's uh, emotions first: the fear that you're not going to make it. You know that you're going to fall. You fall down those steps and you're done, and yeah. um, and so there's there's you know there's fears there's anxieties. Uh, but there's, there's a thing, whole gambit yeah. of human emotions. But yeah, there's also pain, and when oh, I say yeah. I mean I'm, I mean physical pain, right? <laughs> yeah, because your body's hurting. You're taxing your body. You're making your legs hurt. Your your hips hurt. Your back. I mean everything hurts, especially the older you get. <laughs> everything yeah. starts to hurt. Um, <laughs> And that's that's this other part of the physical exertion part I'm talking about. I think too is, yeah. and that's where I think that emo that spiritual and emotional thing kind of comes in because um, if someone gets into a mindset where they're gonna try, they're gonna shut that pain off, right? Or they're gonna they're gonna still feel that pain, but push that pain to the side. Like they'll acknowledge it, but uh -huh. and they'll push it to the side and just deal with it later. But they're still feeling it. When you come to the end of something like that, like a really physically exerting thing, that's where I'm thinking about the spiritual thing. Because I've seen, I mean, I, I've done it myself. I've seen people do it also. You break down crying sometimes. Yeah. Not because you're like, oh, my God. You're like, I'm, I, I'm, in, I'm in so much pain. It's not about the pain. It's because it's the emotional output you had as a result of that. And, like, you got to the, you made it. You got to the end of this thing. No matter how hard it was, it's an achievement. Oh, Yeah. And that's that's emotional yeah. for people, I think, right? Yeah, and I I can't even put into words what I felt. You know, when I, you know, once I caught my breath and everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I turned around to face the rising sun, and I looked out over. Uh, it's uh, Teotihuacan is called the city of the gods. And you look out and see all those structures and everything uh, that go down the main avenue. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody lived there. That was a place of worship. Uh, the actual people who lived there lived outside uh, 
the, uh, the the city itself. And I think I think I said there was two hundred thousand, uh, hundred thousand. I think there was 000. closer to two hundred thousand. Okay. And uh, at the height of it, and uh, you just, I stood there and looked, and I couldn't talk. It's you know the emotions that come over you are profound. And, just knowing uh, what happened there, just knowing the history, yeah. and I think that that's just a whole other side of this thing, Marcus. It, I mean, it yeah. makes it more interesting, but it also, of course makes it even more confusing and more 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 overwhelming i guess because you know and i guess we can we can kind of veer off well we've kind of already been veering off in that direction but um <laughs> you know talking about the whys of these things i guess or the ideas yeah. i mean obviously i kind of threw a big one out there uh and that's that's my thing i mean and i'm not doing this thing to develop this is the theory and this is my thing and yes this is the way it's going this is how it is right it's not <laughs> yes, the case at no. all you know me and i know you and we both know that this thing is there's no absolutes in this stuff and yeah um but that's one of the ideas that i have been kind of i guess just jamming on riffing on in my brain is that idea of of the staircase or let's just take the staircase out because i mean ascending and descending passageways and that's what a lot of what yeah. i've been saying is ascending and descending passageways and when you mentioned the pyramid aspect which is something i've been you know obviously wanting to you know talk about here on this thing i was i was really excited about that because of course you know the pyramid of the sun is just one pyramid there's pyramids all over this planet and i guess just to throw this one on the table here and we can go with that i guess is so there are pyramids all over the planet. And I guess my question is, is this the reason? I mean, is it, is it, is, let's assume that I'm right for a second, which I'm probably not, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, this is how we charge it, man. You know, we, we, we get power out of this thing. And of course we both know that pyramids have been suspect to hundreds of different theories on why they were built, you know? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. But hearing your idea, man, that well, hearing your story, it just it just kind of ramped me up on that idea as far as in in general ascending and descending passageways. Yeah. I guess let's get into it. Like, wh what are your thoughts? You've you've talked a little bit about that, but what are your thoughts? Like, I guess let's get to the nitty gritty here. I <laughs> 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 maybe why we do experience we see this stuff that happens around stairways like this. Well, first of all, that that theory you had about uh, the amount of energy in charging the pyramid and stuff or staircases, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that actually adds a whole new dimension. I hadn't thought of that before. And the um, going up and down a staircase like that, mm -hmm. you're, you are, you know, expending a lot of uh, energy. Um, the human body has electric fields around it and you're shooting this energy out as you're you're going up so going up and down a staircase by many people who knows how many times a day you're virtually charging that staircase yeah yeah okay i'm sorry <laughs> so that that is a good theory that that definitely needs to be looked into more there are places up um, go ahead i'm gonna i'm all i'm all excited now so i'm gonna come bring it down <laughs> no, and let you talk go ahead <laughs> the um you know, I had started conducting research on uh, trying to find out why certain areas 
have uh, hauntings and residual hauntings and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been experimenting for about 10 years. And I started shortly before, or was it after? I forget how long it's been since we first met at Point Pleasant. That, yeah, that was the th we, we had that fateful meeting finally. That, that was, yeah. what, God, what yeah. year was that? Was that 2005, six? I, I think so. So it was after that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I had been kicking the idea around for a while, but um, when I uh, was there, I had a lot of times when I talk to people, I, I kind of, I was like talking to you right now, I formulate different ideas and things, you know, come in my head. And, and at mm -hmm. that time is when I started seriously looking at um, residual hauntings and why certain areas have more activity than others. Mm. And uh, I was studying uh, paramagnetics and paramagnetics. Well, when you say paramagnetism, people think paranormal. Mm. It's but it really has nothing to do with it. It's a field of science. Uh, there's four different types of magnetism. There's uh, uh, ferromagnetism, which is what most people are familiar with, uh, iron and rare earth uh, magnets and things like that. Mm. Uh, materials that when exposed to a magnetic field, their electrons in the outer shells will line up. And with ferromagnetism, whatever material you're using, as they line up um, with the magnetic, the lines of force in a magnetic field, they become magnetized, mm -hmm. meaning that the electrons in the, uh, it's a spin of the electrons that um, we're talking about. Electrons go around an atom, and then the electrons themselves have a, a spin. Mm -hmm. And the spins align with a magnetic field. Um, a ferromagnetic material stays magnetized when you pull the field away. Okay. And um, paramagnetic is another one. And paramagnetic uh, materials are like uh, gold. Um, you know, that's, that's paramagnetic. If you put a magnet to it, nothing happens. But nothing you can see happens. What actually happens when a paramagnetic material, which includes soil and you know, a lot of different things, um, what happens is electrons... In, in a paramagnetic material, they have the electrons are not paired. I don't want to get too technical. Uh, I tend to put people to sleep sometimes. <laughs> not me. Fact, I'm right. I'm right with you. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when my wife can't sleep, she puts on one of my shows. <laughs> the uh, electrons at orbit, the outer shell electrons, are either paired or they're singular. And the ones that are paired uh, tend to be ferromagnetic. The ones that are singular, uh, you know, like I said, like gold and, and several other materials, uh, O2, you know, oxygen is uh, paramagnetic. Different minerals and stones, um, they have a single electron going around them. And it's spinning a certain way. When it goes into a magnetic field, the electrons all spin the same way. And the outer shells, they everything is spinning the same, so they generate a magnetic field inside the substance. Mm -hmm. And the substance, when it's like that, um, 
can be, you know, it's, they're all spinning in the same direction, but certain parts of the material, depending on the size, could be spinning at a different speed or, you know, just, you know, it, it's hard to explain exactly okay. what happens, but you can actually change a pattern inside that, just like we do for digital uh, recordings, you mm. know, uh, either on or off type thing, uh, binary. Mm-hmm. But the electrons all spin the same way in these materials, and some uh, materials have a higher rating. It's called a paramagnetic rating than other materials. And if you take the magnetic field away, what happens with the paramagnetic material is that um, the alignment, the spin, it goes back to normal. It doesn't, it's not retained in the actual spin, but if the magnetic field is present, or if, uh, I'll get into that in a minute, but if the magnetic field is uh, present, everything is is paramagnetically aligned. Okay. But, you know, so I, I, I was thinking maybe that has something to do with a residual haunting or why some areas are more active. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I started working with that and, um, and then I remembered the, you know, the earth itself is, has a, mag, a giant magnet at its core. Mm-hmm. That's why we have uh, compasses in north and south and all that. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, as I researched paramagnetism, I found that different shapes and structures uh, reacted differently to the earth's magnetic field. And... Uh, there, there's before I go any further. There's two other types of magnetism, but it's not really anything of any great importance. There's uh, uh, anti-ferromagnetic, and then there's diamagnetic, like water and things like that. It repels electric fields and it turns to right angles. Okay. And uh, but those really don't have anything to do with it. I was working with paramagnetics and. Um, I started uh, doing that shortly before we met there at Point Pleasant, mm. and uh, I was, you know, discussing, uh, one day I was discussing, you know, the different, I was discussing this topic, basically, with uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, mm. yeah, yes. and, and um, you know, we took a walk down the main street there, and went to that park, I think it was, Oh, what's his name? Chief Corn. Yeah, Field I was say, yeah, yeah, Cornstalk. Or, yeah, Corn, no, Cornstalk. Yeah, it's, it. yeah, it's down there at the end of the of the well, more or less the pier. I guess whatever you call it, the bay or whatever. It's it's right there. You that's obviously if you've been anyways been to Point Pleasant, you see you know when you're the downtown area where Jeff Wamsley has the Mothman Festival. Yeah, you uh-huh. basically can see the bridge and everything right there. And yeah, you yeah. just walk all the way down where the river's at, and you can go down. Yeah, it's Chief Cornstalk you're talking about. Yeah, that's that's monument, what it is, yeah. And, you know, we were walking down, and I was, you know, telling her how um, the uh, paramagnetic effect can influence living things, uh, you know, life energy and stuff. And so we were walking down, and we walked into that park, and right in the center there is that big uh, monument that's uh, – that uh, tower, from what I remember, that shoots straight up and has a plaque on it and all that. Mm-hmm. And that was a perfect example of how it affects living things because I, uh, you know, we stopped right there and I said, look at the trees. And because there's trees around that area there. 
And I said, look at how they're growing. And all the trees are leaning slightly toward the tower. And uh, it's it's like an attractant to living things, uh, paramagnetism. Okay. That tower is generating a paramagnetic field. And that's, that's a result from the Earth itself. Uh, the magnetic field of the earth, uh, and it's going up the tower. And then one side of the tower has a stronger pull than the others. And if you looked at the trees, that side of the tower, which would have been the north, that side of the, uh, those trees on that side were leaning more. And that was, wow. you know, that's how I started getting the idea because, you know, the paramagnetism you know, it, it works hand in hand with uh, biological uh, uh, living organisms. They seem to, like plants, will grow better on one side of a tower than on the other side. And it's because there's a concentration of energy and paramagnetic energy is uh, is very beneficial to uh, living things, especially plants and trees. And this is what this the field of paramagnetics is used in a lot in the agriculture industry. They can they've got a device called a squid that um, measures paramagnetic uh, uh, concentrations of soil, mm. and and that's kind of what science uses that for. And then it's used for other industries too. Mm. But I started working with that and and. Um, you know, taking I, you know, I got a squid device, you know, which is just a little box, and you put samples in there. Problem is, it's only good for about an inch away. You can only measure paramagnetism an inch away with that. And really? so I, you know, over time, besides the other things that that I I built for paranormal research, I developed the paramagnetic resonance meter, and. What that does is it measures paramagnetism. It's not as accurate as a, like a squid, but it uh, measures uh, paramagnetism from a greater distance. You know, I can go up to about 30 feet. Okay. And all it does is measure uh, like a ratio of resonance between uh, the standing, um, uh, what do you call it? the standing, uh, paramagnetic energy where you're at as opposed to where you're pointing to. And that was all I really needed because what I did is I took that into known haunted locations and started, you know, seeing how it worked and uh, measuring the differences. And there were times, it's like an EMF meter, there are times when it would spike. Okay. And there were, there were locations where there was a lot of activity. Uh, it would it would also you know show a much higher reading. And these uh, locations, a lot of them uh, that I noticed when I'd be taking it and walking upstairs, all of a sudden it starts spiking. And you know, so I I go back down and I do the same thing, and I go back up and I do the same thing, and then I got to you know the top of the stairs it would stop okay and so there was something to do with the stairs that had a high concentration of paramagnetic uh, activity okay. now remember that's where the electrons in the outer shells all line up yeah 
and and you, you know they develop a special field of energy when they do that but you take you know a magnet away and it's uh, it kind of disappears mm-hmm. but if you count on the earth's uh, magnetic field uh, stairs that are going up and and what i found is stairs pointing different directions were not as strong as as other stairs pointing north Oh, but okay. They, they still had it, though. So and it has, you know, the the best I could figure mm-hmm. that I've been able to come up with is the angle of the stairs. The angle, just like the angle on a pyramid, uh, they're built that way for a reason. You yeah. know, whoever built those knew what they were doing. And um, it concentrates pyramids concentrate energy from the earth itself from the magnetic field of the earth and the stairs uh, a lot of them are you know they may not be at the optimum uh, angle but a lot of them uh, still generate paramagnetic energy from uh, from the earth's magnetic fields what's if i may ask you, you said the optimum angle yeah, I mean, what I mean, I guess, and this can just be an opinion if you want. I mean, what what do you think uh-huh. the optimum angle would be then? Um, I haven't uh, really determined exactly, but mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be around thirty nine degrees. Okay, thirty nine to forty degrees, somewhere in there, I believe. That's part of my research I haven't been able to do yet. Yeah, that's fine. So and so talking about the stairs here and paramagnetic energy. Right? Did I get that right? Uh-huh. I want to make sure I got yeah. it because. Yep. So, what you report, what you, you're saying here is that you you would you, you'd have the meter with you, right? And you yeah. would see it spike going up and going down the stairs. So, what I was thinking about when you said that was, is that? And I, you know, if this is a dumb question, I apologize in advance. But this is the first nah, thing I thought. There's no um, dumb questions. Do you think that's coming from that? That manipulation is coming from you, or is it just a part of the environment? I guess. I mean, and again, I'm sorry if I'm way off here because I'm. This is new stuff to me too. So if I'm if I'm asking the wrong thing, I apologize. No, it's uh, that's that's a good question, and it's I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. It's uh, especially in light of what you said earlier in the show, um, as. You know, you're ascending stairs, you're generating, you're expelling energy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not just uh, biological, you know, energy, it's uh, energy, it's electrical, mm-hmm. you know, energy. Um, because the human body has an enormous amount of electrical energy in it. Uh, you know, with the miles and miles of nerves and energy flowing, you mm-hmm. know, when you're walking up, a simple thing like walking upstairs, there's enormous electric fields that are fluctuating all around you. So part of it could be that, but part of it is uh, the actual environment, uh, the slope of the stairs, the material it's made of, how it's aligned with the Earth's magnetic field, because I have um, you know, just placed the, the meter on the stairs and then walked away from it. Mm-hmm. And it retains uh, you know some of the energy but the energy seemed to fluctuate you know up and down and up and down when I was actually walking so I think it's a little bit of both see and again this, if there's this charging aspect and that's maybe what it is 
Uh-huh. I mean, going up. Okay, we've I've beaten the hell out of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, um, but there may be something, and it sounds like what you said. There may a little bit of both. So that means there may be something impressed upon that environment, which is a stairway, staircase, up yep. or down, right? Um, yeah. So there's something, yeah, it could be, and that, I mean, obviously we talk about, you've been talking about residual type hauntings and stuff like that. And that is, and I've always thought it's an impression in the environment, no matter what it is. I mean, taking stair, stairways or staircases out of the equation, it's just an impression on the environment. Um, but I guess what the idea for me with this and why I'm so interested in this is, as I've said, you expel, and you just said too, you expel an enormous amount of energy climbing or even descending a stairway i mean more so probably climbing it's more stressful in the body um and i think that's where you do leave those impressions you, you may yeah. leave that without knowing i mean even if you're having a great day you know yeah i mean it don't have to be some romantic thing where the lover lost her you know lost her lover <laughs> and yeah. and she climbed yeah. the stairway for the last time before she died it isn't that i mean it can be everyday stuff. This is just about everyday life. Yeah. It isn't. It isn't about. To me, it isn't about. You know the the romantic tales. This is about real ideas about about a structure about, and not only again, not only staircases, but yeah, pyramids, um, and, and Christ hills, <laughs> yeah. any type of ace, you know, descending Even or ascending. Yeah, any type of passageway that's going to put stress on your body, therefore put stress on your mind. Um, it seems like the, it all kind of fits in this idea, right? Yeah. And um, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Well, yeah, that's that's uh, that's true. And even like you said, even hills can uh, do that. But uh, I think the energy tends to stay more if it's uh, if it's an actual structure other than just soil. But the next question is why do apparitions appear on staircases and not at the bottom of the staircase or somewhere else, which they do, you know, from time to time. But there seems to be a lot more on staircases, and that's one reason I was, you know, excited to hear that somebody was doing the research on this. Mm. And uh, the there's something else about paramagnetism that I discovered. It took me years, but that I'm you know, researching right now, we know the principles of paramagnetism. It's a scientific uh, phenomenon. It's, it's you know, based on fact. Uh, we know how to control it, manipulate it, and uh, measure it to a certain degree. But that's the alignment, um, you know, of the particles and like of the outer shell electrons. And the Earth's magnetic field can hold that in place to a certain degree if, you know, if the uh, the angle you know, is mainly with staircases is what causes that to happen. Mm -hmm. But still, there's got to be something else. You know, why are there manifestations on staircases? And mm -hmm. so I started, um, you know, my research in a slightly different direction, still involving the basic concept of paramagnetism and, you know, how... Uh, the human energy field and human intent and emotion can affect matter and to see if it actually could affect paramagnetism and or the you know uh, mimic paramagnetism 
And, you know, I found through extensive experiments in the lab and, you know, and out in the field, I found that uh, there's a very powerful force called human intention. And intention is not well defined by science. You know, it's, it's trying to put energy into a desire or thought. You focus it into that and... You know, it's it's been proven many times that, uh, like with plants, if you focus you know negative thoughts toward a plant, the plant doesn't do well and sometimes will even die. Where if you do the opposite, you focus positive thoughts or intentions on something, it will uh, flourish and in size. Mm-hmm. And you know, these are experiments that have been carried out by scientists and different people, um, and they still don't fully understand what human intent is. But human intent involves, the, re- the reason is you can't measure it. Uh, it's not like magnetism. You can't actually measure it because it's an energy that really isn't fully part of our world or physical world. Uh, it's the stuff that life is made of. You know, if you tried to measure life force, uh, we know it exists. But you can't measure it. It's just not tangible. You can't put numbers on it. It's not quantifiable. Yeah, and you can't actually, you know, get any any readings on any equipment. Sometimes you can get readings on um, like EMF meters. EMF meters, uh, they were made for appliance repairmen, you know, to check uh, refrigerators and electrical outlets and things like that to Mm -hmm. measure electric fields. They don't detect ghosts. They don't detect paranormal activity directly. But they do um, detect a, uh, a resonance between the same energy we're talking about with intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, intent, when it reacts with the physical world, see, it's, it's in a dimension above our uh, physical world. And um, it interacts with the physical world by causing manifestations of, you know, it disturbs um, electrical energy, for example. Mm-hmm. And so you can you can actually get a reading on an EMF meter if there's some type of paranormal activity, but you're not measuring that activity, you're measuring the result of that activity. It's, it's like a tuning fork. You strike one and hold it near the other one, the other one's going to start vibrating at the same frequency it's called uh you know resonance Mm -hmm. and that's what happens with the energy of intent and i don't want to get too far down the hole on this one it's just you know I, i just need to explain that uh the energy of intent interacts with our physical world but i started experiments using intent and you know working with the Monroe Institute for the time that I did and researching human consciousness and then my training in Toltec shamanism, uh, it gave me certain abilities to focus and alter consciousness and uh, project intent out stronger than you normally would be able to. And so, you know, I was conducting kind of quasi-scientific experiments because I wasn't using any instruments. And I would take a paramagnetic uh, reading on something and uh, it would be a certain level 
and then I would focus my intent, you know, visualizing, vi- visualizing and uh, picturing those electrons as all lining up in a stronger, more unified way. And after you know, about 30 minutes of doing that in a heightened state of awareness, which I learned from the shamanic training, I would uh, take the same reading and it would actually be much higher than what it was before. So human intent did the same thing that uh, magnetism did in this object. It okay. aligned the electrons. Difference is human intent um, didn't disappear when I stopped and you know focusing on it. Mm-hmm. The the item stayed you know charged at a higher rate, and uh, some of it uh, over time would dissipate, but some of it retained you know so the object permanently remained uh paramagnetically charged human human intent now this idea just uh i I gotta get this off my chest Um, sure human intent obviously has a lot of different colors i guess that's the only way i can really in my mind Uh human intent has i guess the idea would and i think this is if i'm on the right track here with you your intentions can be good your intentions can be bad your intentions can be selfish your Uh intentions can be from love your intentions can be from hate i mean i mean there's that kind of covers a massive spectrum right there yeah so and i guess that comes back and if i'm just trying to draw these lines here and just humor me <laughs> for a second. No problem. Um, that's where the resonance comes in, I guess. Because, I mean, yeah. and this is goes to karma and things like that, I guess. You know, if if your intent, and if I'm wrong, just, I mean, if I'm if I'm off the, the, the path here, please tell me. You know, if you come at something with it with a negative intent, I mean, that will, that resonance will, I mean, it obviously. It'll, it'll be so. retained in the object that you focused on. So, neg- and that's where we hear about, you know. Cursed objects. Cursed objects, like cursed houses, mm-hmm. cursed, I mean, cursed anything. I mean, really, I mean, you can, I mean, based on what you're saying, I mean, you can direct that intention at anything, right? I mean, yeah. There's a Marshall amplifier sitting like five, ten foot away from me right now, and I could, I could generate some, intention at that and curse the amp <laughs> not yeah. I mean, that just sounds funny but it's like you know you could i mean you could take i mean based on what you're saying you could pretty much do that to anything correct yeah yeah in fact you know a, a good way to picture it you're kind of leading right into the next part mm-hmm. good way to picture it is intent is is a force it's a real force like magnetism that is yet to be discovered by science mm-hmm. So it's neutral. It has no negative, positive. It is a force, you know, extending out from uh, a lot of living things, but humans have a strong ability to focus it. So intent is a force, and the mind is the matrix. You shape it however you want. And, uh, you know, if you want to, you know, shape it in a negative fashion, that's how curses come into effect. Yeah. Curses can be real. The, the people really know what they're doing yeah. uh, or, or are trained. Same thing with charms, amulets, talismans. Um, that's, that stuff is real. Yeah. 
you know, a lot of the stuff you buy in the store, no, it's not going to do anything except look cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, made by someone skilled um, that's that's the basis of real magic and that's that's you know sounds kind of unscientific but uh, magic is just you know a force an art that hasn't been acknowledged or discovered by science yeah it is really science is what it is it's just not mainstream it's just, yet. It's, it's, and, it's not it's not easy to identify with the current tools and ideas we have yeah. right now. That's that's really where yeah. it is. It just can't be put in a and that's what and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but that's what humans do. That's what we do. It's what we yeah. bipedals do. We want to put everything in a, in a little box, and and it has to be fit neat within these margins. It has to be within these constraints, <laughs> or it's not real. And I'm not I'm yeah. not saying that's a bad thing necessarily. I mean that does keep things orderly and i do like that type of order but um there's i think there is that lack of open-mindedness though too going well yeah you know you're right this this is this is real we've proven this over and over again but that doesn't mean this isn't real over here either let's give it a shot let's give it a chance yeah. that's just my opinion on that that idea go ahead yeah and it's you know it's humans tend to make um, order out of chaos and they don't like things that are outside the box like you were saying and so that's a natural thinking mm -hmm. and you know it's you know part of my shamanic training uh, Toltec shamanism deals a lot with uh, awareness and perception mm -hmm. um, and that's you know at least the new lineage that's what they focused on the uh, the Awareness of something is like thinking outside the box. And what you have to do is basically destroy the box. And your your perceptions and awareness open up to the true reality of the universe around you. It's not like what you see. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's necessary to do that in order to perceive, you know, the true universe around you and the way things really are. Uh, we have a lot of illusions uh, because we can't deal with anything else. We have to have order. And uh, one of the methods, you know, to uh, to perceive these things, uh, and it's it's not easy. It takes a lot of practice, but it's called stopping the world. And it's it's where you shut down your internal thought which is very difficult to do. Oh, you know, tell me about it. Oh, my goodness. You, you know, sit and think for even for 30 seconds or sit for 30 seconds and not think. Don't let a single word or anything cross your mind and not even thinking about not thinking. And uh, you'll find out how hard that is. It's, it's impossible. One, I mean, I, should, I, mean yeah. I shouldn't say that so absolute-like, but it, for me, it's impossible. It's very difficult. But once you learn how to do it, there are techniques um, – that you can practice that teach you how to shut off your internal dialogue. And once that happens, you know, other perceptions open up. It's like we were talking before about taste and smell and things like that. You mm -hmm. don't really notice their, you know, appreciate them or anything until you notice they're gone. Yeah. yeah. But, and it's like with blind people when they lose their sight, uh, their other senses kick on. And it's similar with this. When you 
stop your internal dialogue because your your brain tells you what everything is. Your brain tells you an apple is an apple mm-hmm. uh, because it's really just a field of energy, but you define it as an apple because we, you have yeah. to have order. We as people have defined it as an apple over time, and that's just, yeah, yeah. you taught that at a very young age. That's an yeah. apple. Okay, that's an apple. Great. I know that now, yeah. right? Um, and that that you know that puts me into a couple of different mindsets here you know it's in there's two things about that and i mean they're related but not related one thing i heard from someone a couple of years ago on this show well, on ghostly talk I, I, we were talking about the the idea of aging and how it seems like the older you get the faster things seem to move like you you know when you were younger a week would just seem like it would take forever to get through yeah like when you're in elementary school or or junior high or whatever. But now, you know, you're halfway through your working career and it just seems like a week will go by at the blink of an eye. And I'm like, yeah, it, it, that's, that seems like that, you know, that, 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 yeah, I noticed that. It seems like they're getting faster and faster. I guess it's just because I'm busier and busier. And I forgot who said this. I, I really wish I, it may have been you. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but, so, but somebody, the person said, well, no, it's because the older you get, the more things you experience and the more things you put behind you, the less they are to really have to acknowledge. Like when you're acknowledging things new, it seems like when they're new and fresh, it seems like it, it, it things just seem to move slower, I guess. Yeah. But when you when things are when when you when you know about apples and oranges and trees and and cars and whatever else you're, you're familiar with all those things and you're 70, 80, 90 years old, well yeah, you're, there's nothing really to think about, I guess. Yeah, and that's exactly right. You you can think of it like uh, learning to play a guitar. When you start off, it's going to take you a long time to hit those chords and notes and stuff and mm-hmm. eventually get to the point where you don't think about it. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like that, and you, uh, you're playing the chord. And it's, it's, you know, I believe it's the same thing. It's you, you're not relearning any, or you're not learning anything new. You're just experiencing it. A lot of people, you know, have the theory that time is speeding up, but that's not right because yeah, I don't think young so. young people they're they're not experiencing that uh, older people that are more experienced and you know have more knowledge it's actually more awareness and, and experience uh, of the world around them yeah uh, they're not acknowledging every little thing like when you you play uh you know C minor or something on a, a chord you don't have to think where your fingers are going to go. They no. just go. It's, they just go. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, it's muscle memory at that point, and you just yeah. don't think about it. It's just it's just part of what you do. It's part of your DNA. It's just it's what yeah. you do, right? So the 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 mystery that I know, um, Doug and I were always, and we still do. We're, we're still dear friends. We still talk, right? Um, yeah. And I know we discussed this with you. Was it, stuff is happening? Stuff is definitely happening. Whatever it may be. Um, and my thing still, and this ties right in with, with ascending and descending passageways, is is how is it related? How are they all glued together? There has to be some type of glue, I think, that that kind of, and, and maybe I am oversimplifying things at this point, going, well, there has to be one thing that solves the whole equation, right? And that's probably uh-huh. not true, but I, there has to be 
there's always a line that gets drawn through stuff, I think. I mean, with any type of discipline or study or anything you're trying to learn, that's the one thing I've learned over my lifetime, at least, is you learn how the lines get, you know, how, how the lines attach. And once you learn that, that's when you start to learn the discipline of whatever it may be, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and I'm still, I'm still thinking in those terms, Marcus, even when I'm specializing in something as, as direct as ascending and descending passageways, talking about everything we've, we're talking about here is just a testament to that, that, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on around that, that we need to understand too, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's exactly right. It's, uh, there, there's uh, so many facets to these phenomenon and, and the world around us that, you know, there's got to be some underlying force, yeah. uh, or cause for different things to happen. Uh, one of the major ones, I believe, is human intention for a yeah. lot of things that ha that happen. But th there's a lot more than that. It's not that simple. Um, you know, with with stairways, that's that's kind of a, I look at that um, as kind of a. Uh, I don't know if it's say Rosetta Stone, but like a key because there's a lot of things happening in stairways that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the uh, manifestations that uh, take place there, there's, there's probably a higher concentration. You know, I've never really analyzed it, but there's probably a higher concentration on ascending or descending pathways than, uh, you know, yeah. just something other than that. Um, Part of it, I believe, is energetic with the Earth's magnetic field. Uh, the, you know, places like Stonehenge uh, in the pyramids. Uh, mm -hmm. You heard about ley lines. Mm -hmm. These are these are places that have the same type of a phenomenon happening. Uh, energy is is traveling, or being stored, and uh, stairways are kind of unique because they're an artificial uh, you know creation they're, they're built at certain angles so you could have the paramagnetic effect with the earth uh -huh. but there's also human intention and emotion that come into play because yeah. one thing when you go down a set of stairs you're you know it's not a good idea to text on your phone while you're walking downstairs. You got to kind of focus your I your thoughts and yeah, <laughs> you know, what you're doing. Yes. Um, so as you're going up, you're exerting physical force, so you're forced to focus on what you're doing. But going downstairs, letting gravity assist, you still have to focus, or you're going to have an accident. Yeah. And um, so there's a lot of human intention, both directions, being poured into the the stairs mm. and like I said human intention will create a more lasting effect than magnetism or the earth's or magnetic field yeah. uh, when it's repeated over and over and over and plus that, yeah Go ahead, I'm sorry if if well plus if you're experiencing uh, any extreme emotions uh, like a lot of people are afraid of falling downstairs it's that simple you know, and uh, especially elderly people, so they mm -hmm. they put extra caution. But if there's a, you start going downstairs, things start firing in your brain. You know, saying caution. You know, you you're 
your mindset changes because you're actually entering a zone where your <laughs> life can end. Mm. And, uh, and so a lot of people go downstairs with a certain amount of trepidation and that's human intention and it's being programmed into your surroundings. And it might be a small amount, but you know, if somebody gets pushed downstairs while they're falling, the amount of emotion and horror and things that are generated is like a nuclear blast going off. Yeah. And so that's going to go in there and add to it. Um, it's the, funny you say that because, I mean, I just was thinking about this as you're saying that. I mean, I go up and down the stairs in, in my house every day. Um, I had to go down a set of stairs to come here and record this, this, this show with you. And uh-huh. one of the things I've noticed, you know, is I've had a couple of times where, you know, I've, I've just had a couple of missteps on the stairs like yeah. going down, going down, going down, especially because see my thing, I'm, I'm starting to really, uh, now with talking to you about this, I'm starting to look, you know, more at this, the real stressor is going, is descending as opposed to ascending. Ascending is just brute force power you're using to get up, right? You can yeah. still... You could still hurt yourself. I mean, it's still dangerous, right? But yeah. going down, I mean, that's falling. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, life and death. That, but you're that, that's falling, right? And that's what I was saying is heading downstairs. Um, I've had it. I know we've all had it where I've had a misstep. You know, I maybe missed yep. a step, or I've done this dumb thing, which is hilarious because it's really great on your knee. Um, where you think you're at the bottom of the stairs and, and you're not, um, which is it's comical. So yeah, it's comical as hell, but it scares. But the the thing that the thread that goes through both those things is it scares the living heck out of you. You can I I know myself when I've done that, um, I felt my heart my heart rate just spike. I felt everything spike when that happens. It's like <gasps> oh my god, I could fall. Yeah, uh-huh. that's exactly what it's you're talking about. Only one step. It's still. Yeah, uh, I, I've done that several times, probably because I walked downstairs in the darkness. But I think mm-hmm. I'm at the bottom, and there's really one step to go. And, and you, that, you start to oh. fall in that split second when yeah. you're falling. That's when yeah. you are in the preservation and panic mode and all that. And then when you impact, it's like, you know, shakes your innards It does. Hard. It scares mm-hmm. the hell out of you. And, but that's what you're doing kind of when you're going – Maybe I'm being a bit mill. I don't know, but you're going when you're going <laughs> down the stairs. You're, I mean, you're traveling. Yeah, but you are falling to a certain degree. You're going. Gravity's yanking you down. You're using gravity to pull you down the stairs. Right. You're, it's just yeah. a part of how you live, and you know. And that's the thing I've been noticing, honestly when I'm doing projects or anything like that, and I know my, the older I get, the less patience I have for just a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I've been saying that to myself a lot. Um, I just did a remodeling project here at the, at the, at, at the fort. And um, I, the one thing, I mean, just doing that, I just, the longer I got, I got more irritable, but I was noticing like everything that was really upsetting me and irritating and agitating me had to do with gravity. 
it was always something falling or something that wouldn't sit in place right or something that would just knock out of my way. It was always gravity. <laughs> and I kept saying, yeah. like, gravity is irritating me again today. I'm tired of gravity, yeah. right? Gravity sucks. It, it does. And yeah. that's what takes you down a stairway is gravity. And if you're not careful... Gravity is a, it's a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think of, it, it actually is. Yeah. If you think about it in these terms, if you're descending a stairway, you're one step away from, di- you're right. You said it a minute ago, Marcus, you're yeah. one bad step away from dying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, everybody sleep good tonight knowing that when you want to go downstairs <laughs> to do your laundry tomorrow. I, I, you know, yeah, I mean, we may have just ruined it for. We a ruined lot it forever. <laughs> no one's going to be buying any two-story houses anymore, or houses with <laughs> basements at all. Um, but but it's it, it is when you really dive into this thing and start looking at it. That's where it is, Marcus. I agree. And the descent. I again. I I think that the ascending thing is what I've been focusing on as far as like, well, you're expending and and you know, on the yeah. the pyramid of the sun. You guys were. There's there's yeah. no doubt about that. But going down, descending yeah, when, is just as stressful, I think. When I went down the pyramid, it was about an hour before I could walk down because my legs were like rubber. Yeah. And uh, once we started down, you know, I stood at the top and looked down and, uh, you know, I thought, oh, my God, did I come up here? I'm never and, going. I'm never getting back know, down. <laughs> one step at a time. Yeah. There was no jump running or jogging or anything like that. Each step was focused and calculated yeah and i've done the same thing too going down like just i would you know i would climb up something and then i'm on top of it going yeah i'm top of the world yay and now you have to go back down yeah and that can be uh traveling i do i you know i haven't i've been haven't been out as much this last year but i was doing a lot of hiking for for a lot of years and that's you know you'd hit a downward thing and it's like okay and this isn't a stairway or or Uh or steps let's say but you know if you're traveling on like loose ground and gravel and stuff like that and now you got a big hill you have to go down that's scary that's really scary and i mean i've dumped it a couple times and slid like oh no i'm gonna be one of them i'm gonna (laughs) end up in a ravine somewhere right and a deer's gonna laugh i don't know but like um that's stressful too. This descending idea. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. I've I've you know been out hiking. You know, not really on trails per se, but uh, you know, I get the side of a a mountain that's maybe forty five to sixty degree incline, uh, and I go ahead and climb up, and it's not a problem. And mm-hmm. I get about a hundred yards up, and I turn around and look and say, "What was I thinking?" Yeah, yeah. What? Well, and because you, you're looking down now, and I mean, yeah. I don't. Look, I'm I'm still scared of heights. Heights freak me out. <laughs> I and I've done the same thing. I'll climb up. I'm like, yeah, look at me. I'm a big, strong dude. I can climb anything. I'm a, I'm an animal. I'm a beast. And then I get to the top of it, or I yeah, I'm halfway. I look down. I'm like, oh my god, I I'm that high in the air. Oh yeah. no, well that would really suck if I fell right now. And then now that's stuck in my head. And it's like, oh great, that's that. I don't need to have that thought. And that's intention. <laughs> but that's intention, though, right? I yeah, it is. That's intention. Yep. That's what you're talking about. That's the scary stuff. You got to keep yourself in the good spot. You got to keep your mind in the right spot. I think. Yeah, because your whatever thought gets, you know, you're you're holding in your mind. Yeah. Uh, your mind thinks that's what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, it totally. tries to manifest whatever you're thinking of. And so then you got to be extra careful. 
You have been listening to Stairway Spirits, a production of Ghostly Talk. Stairway Spirits can be found at stairwayspirits.com. Our mothership, Ghostly Talk, can be found at ghostlytalk.com. We want to hear about your Stairway Spirits. Feel free to reach out to us at stairwayspirits at ghostlytalk.com. Thank you for listening.